Good morning. I'm Pastor Nick Stavropoulos of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for joining us for today's service and message. Our theme today is, what is Easter? It is Easter Sunday. What is Easter? Well, the good news is, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, this beautiful account tells us at least a part of the Easter story. Here it is. John 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. By the way, the other disciple is referring to John himself, who writes this particular gospel. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Uh, think about it. I'm sure Peter was not thrilled that John beat him in the race. Verse 5. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. That's John. And he saw and believed. John saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she replied, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go, go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. She gave them th that message. She gave them his message. Verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. 
Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. My friend, what is Easter? To begin with, I want to direct your attention to this first beautiful truth. Number one, Easter is your invitation and mine to fall in love with Jesus. That's right. Easter is your invitation and mine to fall in love with Jesus. This beautiful truth came to my mind and continues to come to my mind as I reflect upon the actions of Mary Magdalene that first Easter morning. I want to make it clear here that we are not, we are not talking about romantic love. We are talking about the kind of love spoken of by Jesus himself when he said in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus said, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Jesus was God in the flesh. And that is the kind of love that he wants from you and me. Now, who was Mary Magdalene? Who was this dear lady? She was a woman from whom Jesus had cast out, had thrown out or had done away with seven demons. Jesus had cast out seven demons from her. Mark chapter 16 verse 9 says this, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast seven demons. By the way, how she ended up being possessed by seven demons, we are not told. We, we don't know. Now, some of you have maybe heard on occasion that she used to be a prostitute. The Bible actually does not specifically tell us that, just for your interest. We really don't know why some people have said that about her being a prostitute, but anyway, we'll go on. Mary Magdalene was from the fishing village of Magdala, M-A-G-D-A-L-A, -A, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Magdala was probably destroyed around 70 A.D. by the Roman armies. And a new town called Migdal, M-I-G-D-A-L, Migdal, was established in 1910 at about that same location. I mention that just for those of you who are interested in a little bit of history. After Jesus delivered Mary from demon possession, Mary Magdalene became a wholehearted follower of Jesus, and that's certainly understandable, isn't it? For Jesus did something tremendous for this dear woman. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, although all of Jesus' other disciples were, were not at the crucifixion except for John, Mary Magdalene was there. She was there. When the crucified Jesus was, was put in the tomb on the Friday, the Gospel of Matthew 27, verse 61 says, both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across 
from the tomb and watching. Mary was once again there. Then on Sunday early morning, Mary was at the tomb and was the first person to see the risen Jesus. I, I want to invite you, I want to invite you to notice, please, some, some clues, some clues that show us how, how Mary loved Jesus so very much. Think about these with me. It's incredible. A, to begin with, Mary went to Jesus' tomb early on Sunday morning while it was still dark. Mary had seen Jesus crucified on the Friday and her heart was no doubt aching and breaking. She probably didn't get much sleep on Friday night or on Saturday night and so early on Sunday morning she rushed to the tomb while it was still dark. In actual fact, it wasn't just Mary Magdalene who went to the tomb. The Gospel of Mark Chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, tell us that, quote, Saturday evening when the Jewish Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. They wanted to anoint Jesus' body as a sign, a sign of, of love, devotion, and respect. Uh, bringing spices, now you and I are not used to doing this, but bringing spices to the tomb was, it was like bringing flowers to a grave today, which many of us do. The women went to Jesus' tomb brokenhearted. In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, John focuses on Mary Magdalene and, and doesn't mention the other women. The passage that we read if you recall, it doesn't really refer to the other women. And you might say, well, oh, why? Why is that the case? We are not told why. Perhaps Mary got to Jesus' tomb first, and John wanted to just focus on Mary's love and, and Mary's devotion at, at the same time, Mary's heartbreak. Some of you might wonder why in modern days some people go to a person's grave days, weeks, months, and even years after a person has passed away. It is simply, my friends, it is simply an expression of their love and respect for the person. There is nothing weird about it, nothing at all. The fact that Mary Magdalene and the other women went to the tomb is a sign. It's a sign to me of their wonderful, fantastic love and respect for Jesus. Do you and I have this kind of love and respect and honor for Jesus, Jesus the Nazarene? Let me take you to point B. We also see Mary's love in her tears. Stick with me, this is this is heartbreaking, but at the same time beautiful. We see Mary's love in her tears. John 20, verse 11 says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. As she wept, she stooped and looked in. By the way, sometimes when I hold a funeral, a well-meaning family member or friend will say to someone 
to say, say to someone who is crying, they'll say something like, oh, don't cry, don't, don't, don't cry. I want to say to you, it is okay to cry. Those tears are tears of love. I remember how at the end of a funeral service, which we held here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, a dear man, around 70 years of age, came to me weeping. He was weeping. And he said to me, he said, thank you, Pastor, for telling us it's okay to cry. He said, all my life people have told me, you're a man, you're a man, grown up men, don't cry, don't cry, John. He said, thank you, Pastor, for giving me the freedom, the liberty to cry. My friends, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 14, tells us Mary Magdalene crossed paths with the risen Jesus, but at first she didn't recognize him. Why, you might ask? In large part, I believe it was probably because she was crying so much. Her tears made it hard to see clearly. There have probably been times when you have cried so much it was hard for you to see where you were walking or what, what, what was in front of you. It might also be that because it was still kind of dark that early morning, there wasn't much light. And so maybe that's why Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first. Verse 15 says, she thought he, that's, that's Jesus, she thought he was the gardener. Could I just say, when you love Jesus, when you love Jesus, there might also be occasions when you too will feel like crying. For example, if you hear, if you hear someone use the name of Jesus as a, as a cuss word, if you hear someone use his name in vain, you might feel like crying. I felt like crying during those times if I've heard someone misuse the name of Christ. If you see, if you see someone showing prejudice, you might also feel like crying because Jesus would never show prejudice. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. Amen? Amen? By the way, as I'm sharing with you, uh, in the chat room, if you want to write amen, send a little note saying, I believe that, Pastor Nick. You, you feel free to do that. You feel free to connect with us, whether you're listening here in Toronto, Ontario, out in Prince Edward Island. We've had people from New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, in the Caribbean, um, down in Brazil, writing us notes. You feel free to just let us know what you're sensing in your heart. But if you, if you hear... If you hear someone putting down, if you ever hear someone putting down the Christian church, you might feel like crying because the church is the body of Christ. If sometimes you hear that a woman or a child is abused, you might feel like, like crying because Jesus would never abuse a woman or a child or anyone else for that matter. We see Mary's love for Jesus in her tears. I ask you, do you? Do you have that kind of love 
for Jesus in your own heart, in your own life? Let me take you to point C. We also see Mary's love in her inability to think straight. Now hold on, some of you are probably thinking this is, this is kind of a weird point, Pastor Nick. Now you're getting weird on us. Well, stick with me, and I, I hope you're going to capture what, what really hit me. Now here is what I mean about Mary's love being shown in her inability to think straight. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 15 of John of John 20. Why don't you read it with me from the screen, okay? John 20, verse, verse 15, says this. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I, I will go and get him. Now, I want you to notice, Mary says, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Is Mary thinking straight? No, she's not thinking straight. Why? Because she says, I will go and get him. Well, suppose, suppose Jesus weighed 150 to 200 pounds. And the Gospel of John, chapter 19, by the way, verses 39 and 40, tell us that when they put Jesus in the tomb, in keeping with tradition of that first century Jewish tradition, they wrapped Jesus, did you know this? They wrapped Jesus in about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes and whatever else. All right? So in addition to Jesus' weight, there, there, there was at least another 75 plus pounds in this corpse of Jesus. Whether Jesus and all the linen wrappings and ointments weighed 150 to 300 pounds, Mary Magdalene would not have been able to, quote, go and get him. And one of the reasons why I, I wonder if the other women had not as yet arrived at the tomb is because Mary says, I will go and get him. You would think that if the other women had been there, she, she would have said, we will go and get him. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. Furthermore, what was Mary going to do? Think about it. What was Mary going to do with a corpse? Very simply put, Mary wasn't thinking straight. You know, sometimes love doesn't think straight. Consider this. Boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, there have been times when you maybe bought something or you did something for your guy or your girl, not, not because they needed it, but you did it out of love, right? Parents, parents and grandparents, there are many times when you and I have done things for our children and grandchildren which to an outsider really didn't make sense. It's like, well, what, what did that parent do that for? 
To an outsider, it didn't make sense. But you did what you did out of love for your son or daughter or grandchild. Here's a little example. I, I, I often have a problem when I go grocery shopping. I have a problem when I go grocery shopping. No, my, my problem is not stealing, okay? In case some of you are thinking that. My problem is not stealing. My problem is this. When I go grocery shopping, if I see some major products on sale, like 50% off especially, I, I say to myself, I need to buy some of, some of those for my son and his wife. I need to buy some of, some of that product for my daughter and her husband. For instance, I, I know that our son Jeremy loves rising crust pizza. How many of you like rising crust pizza? Now, he really likes pepperoni and cheese. It has to be pepperoni and cheese, okay? Normally, normally that rising crust pizza costs about seven or eight dollars for each pizza in, in the Toronto area. And sometimes, sometimes when I go shopping, to my surprise, there is a special. That same pizza is about four dollars each. And so I say to myself, okay, okay, I, I, I should buy my son, I should buy Jeremy ten pizzas. Ten rising crust pizzas. And, and I know they'll be gone a week or two, by the way. Uh, other times, other times of boneless, boneless fresh salmon. How many of you like salmon? I know some love it. Some people just don't want to get close to it. But other times, boneless fresh salmon is on sale or, or T-bone steaks are half the regular price. And again, I, I say to myself, oh boy, all right, I need to buy some for my daughter Amy and her, and her husband and her family and, and I need to get some for Jeremy and, and need to get some salmon, need to get some steaks or whatever the sale is. Uh, sometimes I'm even hesitant, believe it or not, sometimes I'm even hesitant to, to give those purchases to, uh, let's say, the, the rising crust pizza or the fresh salmon or the steaks, sometimes I'm even hesitant to actually give, give them to my kids because I'm concerned. I'm concerned they might feel like saying, Dad, hey, Dad, don't you think we can afford our own food? You know, we're grown up now, Dad. You don't have to keep feeding us. In other words, in some ways, some might say, Pastor Nick, you're not thinking straight. I know some of you out there are thinking, yeah, you don't always think straight, Pastor Nick. So, so why? Why? I was thinking about this. Why do I regularly want to drop off some nice groceries to them? The, the answer is, you guessed it, I simply do it out of love, right? I just do it out, out of love. That's why I want to do it, not because I have to, not because someone told me. Now, some of you will probably write me notes saying, uh, Pastor Nick, if you, really, if you really love me, you would also drop off 10 rising crust pizzas, right? You would also drop off some T-bone steaks and boneless fresh salmon 
And those of you from the Caribbean would say, if you really love me, you'll drop off some what? Huh? Well, you know a lot of the wonderful Caribbean dishes that I also love, which many of you share with me on occasion. God bless you. Well, my friends, there are many of you in our own local church, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, and many others in other churches who volunteer regularly carrying out various ministries. You don't get paid. Some outside people would say, um, hey, you don't get paid. You're not thinking straight. What are you volunteering all that time for? What's the matter with you? You're not thinking straight. Why are you volunteering? And your answer would be, because I love Jesus. Because I love Jesus. There are many of you at Rosewood Church who give your tithes and offerings and other people in other churches. There are many of you who give your tithes and offerings every, every week or every month. And, uh, and uh, some of you, some of you, uh, or some people, some people might say something like, you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking straight. Why, why would you give hundreds or thousands of dollars every year to your church? Why would you give thousands of dollars to the Lord's work? And your answer would be, because, because I love Jesus. It may not make sense to some people, but we do what we do many times because of our love for Jesus. And I want to say thank you, thank you to those of you who have given your tithes and offerings. Thank you to those of you who, who will give your donations this week and this month. Those of you who are part of the Rosewood Church family. And whether, whether you mail your gifts by Canada Post or whether you use e-transfer by sending it to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca or you can drop off your offering in the church mailbox. Of course, don't leave cash, please. Or you can drop by the church on Sunday afternoons between 3 and 5 o'clock, and the main front doors will be unlocked, and you can drop off your tithes and offerings. You can do that today. And you, you can drop them off in the church-shaped box at the entrance. And by the way, if someone arrives at the church at the same time as you arrive, Please remember the social distancing rule that we have, that our government has, to stay two meters or six feet away from each other. You can also, by the way, you can also give through uh, the Canada Helps website. Or if you phone us, we can have someone pick up your offering from your home. There are all these different ways. And for those of you who are watching that are part of another congregation, I want you to know that your local church needs your offering just as much as we at Rosewood Church need the giving of our own local people. Giving to the Lord's work and to others is one way of expressing our love for Jesus. And Rosewood Church family, please remember, Easter, this April, is the month we want to give generously for world missions, world evangelism, 
Our goal is to give $60,000 by the end of April to support our missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene. By the way, I have no hesitation talking about giving because I have learned that as we give, God blesses us in ways that we never imagined. I've learned that principle again and again over the years. So, are you a giver? Are you a giver or a taker? I hope you are a giver for God's honor and glory. Let's move on, let's move on to point D. We, we also see Mary's love in her obedience to Jesus, in her obedience. In verse 17, Jesus tells Mary to go and tell his disciples that he is risen. Verse 18 says, verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Is that verse on our screen? Why don't you read it with me? Read it, read it with me, okay? Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. If you love Jesus, then you obey. You obey him and you obey what he teaches us in the Holy Bible. In the first part of John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then in John 14, verse 21, do you see that on the screen as well? Well, anyway, here it is. John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. My friend, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say you love Jesus, are you obeying him? Are you just talking the talk? Or are you also walking the talk? We must walk the talk. We see Mary's love in her obedience to Jesus, are you, am I, living in obedience to Jesus? Let's do so. Let's go on to this second great truth I want to share with you today, and it is this. Number two, number two. Easter is your time to believe that Jesus rose victorious over death. This truth comes out from the, the whole chapter, and especially verses six through nine. When Mary Magdalene first went to Jesus' tomb and found the stone rolled away, it never occurred to her that Jesus is risen. In fact, verse two records that Mary said, they, whoever the they is, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. My friends, stick with me for this. Some of you will find it very interesting. I hope all of you will. Since the first century, there have been people who have promoted 
but promoted what's called the stolen body hypothesis, stolen body theory. This is the theory that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but that his disciples stole his body from the tomb. When the Jewish priests who had hated Jesus heard that the tomb was empty, those Jewish priests thought, oh no, oh no, how can we cover up? How can we cover up the resurrection? The Gospel of Matthew 28, verses 13 to 15, says this. They, the Jewish priests, told the soldiers who had been on guard, listen to this, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe. Look at that. The, the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. The stolen body theory, my friends, is wrong. The stolen body theory is ridiculous, and there are many reasons why that is so. Here are a few of them. Number one, if anyone had stolen the body, they would not have taken time to remove all the linen wrappings that had been put around Jesus. That's common sense. Number two, there were professional Roman soldiers guarding the tomb with their lives. Number three, there, were, there, there was a two or three ton big boulder that covered the tomb which was sealed and would have had to be removed. Had to be removed while the soldiers are watching, while the soldiers are there. Number four, Jesus' disciples were so scared that they might be next to be arrested and crucified. They, they were hiding behind locked doors. Sometimes people said, oh, the disciples stole the body. Nonsense. Number five, even when the disciples first heard that Jesus was risen from the dead, and even when the disciples saw the risen Jesus, it took, it took a while for it to sink into their minds and hearts. Even though Jesus had told them that he was going to be crucified, but then third day he would rise, they just didn't get it. It took, them, it took them time to realize, wow, what Jesus said would happen has actually happened. I tell you these truths simply because sometimes unbelievers will say, oh, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Uh, his disciples probably took the body. That doesn't make sense. That's wrong. Now, some of you have also maybe heard about what's called the, the swoon Hypothesis, swoon, S-W-O-O-N. The, the swoon theory proposes that Jesus did not actually die on the cross, but that he merely fell unconscious, unconscious on the cross, that is swooned, and was later revived in the tomb in the same mortal body. Well, briefly, here is some evidence refuting the swoon theory by the way, you can look up swoon theory on the internet and you'll, you'll find many, many reasons. I'm only taking time for a couple. But he, here, here is some evidence that refutes the swoon theory. Number one, Jesus could not have survived the crucifixion because Roman crucifixion procedures were very careful to do away with that possibility. 
Roman law even said that if any soldier allowed a prisoner to escape who was supposed to be killed on a cross, that soldier would also receive the death penalty. No soldier dared to bungle a crucifixion. It was a matter of life and death for himself. Now here's a second truth that refutes the swoon hypothesis. This is a little bit of teaching for you. Number two. Notice what John 20, verses 6 and 7 say. John 20, verse 6. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, also went in, and he saw and believed. John saw and believed. Now, now listen to this. L listen to this. This is beautiful. Dr. William Barclay, a great British scholar, one of my favorites, Dr. Barclay says, quote, the whole point of the description is that the grave clothes, now follow, follow him on this, follow him, the whole point of the description is that the grave clothes did not look as if they had been put off or taken off. They were lying there in their regular folds as if, as if the body of Jesus had simply evaporated out. As if the body of Jesus had simply evaporated out of them. Dr. Barclay continues and he says, the sight suddenly penetrated to John's mind. He realized what had happened and John believed. He believed. It was not what he had read in scripture which convinced John that Jesus had risen. It was what he saw with his own eyes says Dr. Barclay, so beautifully put. John, who wrote this part of the Bible that we call the Gospel of John, came to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, the commentator in the Life Application Study Bible also says this, listen to this, beautiful. He says, when John saw the linen wrappings looking like an empty cocoon, okay? When John saw the linen wrappings looking like an empty cocoon from which Jesus had emerged, John believed that Jesus had risen. Did you get that? When he saw the linen wrappings looking like an empty cocoon, wow. Would you also believe that Jesus is risen? Would you also believe, my friend? A little bit later, starting in John 20, verse 14, we begin to see, or we begin to discover how Mary Magdalene also came to believe that Jesus is risen. And John 20, verse 14 says... 
She, Mary, turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Oh, verse 16. Mary, Mary, Jesus said. Mary came to see and to believe that Jesus was risen. Why? Why is it important for you and me to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Here is why. Number one, because Jesus was victorious over death. All of us who have put our faith in Jesus will also conquer death. That's good news. We will conquer death. The grave is not the end. The grave is not the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 and following say this. Why don't you read them with me? Read it with me. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, meaning Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, meaning Jesus Christ. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hallelujah. That's great news. Praise God. Rejoice in that marvelous news. And then 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54, 55, 57 declares this. We read, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But thank God, thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Marvelous. Great news. Wow. Not only, not only do we have victory over death, but because Jesus is alive, he is there for us in our darkest times. This is the second reason why it's so important for you and me to believe in the resurrection. He is there for us in our darkest times. Jesus was there for Mary Magdalene in her time of great sorrow. The risen, the risen Jesus was there for the terrified disciples. John 20, verse 19 says, Read it with me, would you? That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Peace be with you, he said. How incredible. 
Jesus was there to help them and comfort them in their hour of great fear, of great need. Listen to this account. Tragically, one day, a father went home. He went home very drunk and very mad. And sadly, he pulled out a gun and shot his wife. Then he turned the gun on himself and pulled the trigger. Their little girl sat behind the couch crying, crying. The police finally came and eventually the little girl was taken to a new family. Soon the little girl went to her first Sunday school class at the church the family attended. The little girl was walking in the church building and she saw a picture of Jesus on the cross. The little girl then asked the teacher, she said, how? How did that man get off the cross? And the teacher replied, he never did. He never did. Then the little girl argued, yes, he did. Yes, he did, she said. Yes, he did. Because the night, the night that my mummy and daddy died, he sat, he sat next to me behind the couch telling me everything was going to be all right. He sat, he sat beside me behind the couch telling me everything was going to be all right. My friends, with tenderness and compassion, Jesus comes alongside of us, whether it's when we're children or youth, young adults or older adults. He comes alongside of us in our times of deepest need. Easter is your time to believe that Jesus rose victorious over death. Over the last several weeks, our whole world has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Worldwide, there have been about 1,500,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 81,000 deaths. In the United States alone, there have been about 400,000 confirmed cases of COVID and about 13,000 deaths. More people have died in New York from COVID-19 than from the 9-11 terrorist attacks. In Italy, as many of you know, in Italy there have been over 17,000 deaths. In Spain, over 14,000 deaths. In Canada, we've had about 16,000 COVID-19 cases and about 300 deaths, and that is steadily rising. Now, no one knows, 
Stick with me on this, please. No one knows exactly why COVID-19 has become such a terrible worldwide pandemic. But it is my earnest prayer. It is my earnest prayer, beloved, that people in Canada, the U.S., in Europe, in Asia, in China, people all over the world will see this pandemic as a wake-up call. I spoke of this in the message last week, last Sunday. It's my earnest desire that people will see this pandemic as a, as a wake-up call. For you see, over the past 50 years, people's love for Jesus has deteriorated. People's beliefs in Jesus' resurrection has gone downhill. People's love, people's love for sports and for money, for pleasure, for business, for self-centeredness has grown. People and governments have been leaving Jesus, who is God, God in the flesh. People and governments have been leaving Jesus out of their lives. My friends, may the COVID-19 crisis motivate millions of people to do as the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says in the King James Version. It says, but seek, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Are you doing that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Or as the New Living Translation of the Bible says it, Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. And 2 Chronicles 7, chapter 7, verse 14 declares, if my people, that's you, that's you and me, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Boy, do we need a healing in Canada, in the U.S., in Europe, in Asia, in, in Australia, in, in China, all, in Russia, all over the world. My friend, I shared with you today how Easter is your invitation and mine to fall in love with Jesus. If you haven't already fallen in love with him, today's the day. This Easter Sunday is the day for you to begin to fall in love with Jesus. And I've shared with you how Easter is your time to believe that Jesus rose victorious over death. Will you fall in love with Jesus? And will you believe? 
I want to lead you in this prayer, this prayer of decision, this prayer of commitment, whatever you want to call it. And I want to ask you if this prayer truly expresses your heart's desire, I want to ask you to pray it with me. Please don't pray it because Pastor Nick of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is asking you to. No, 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 no. This has to be something that you truly sense in your own heart and mind. And it's truly what you mean. You have to, and I have to, we have to be honest with God. So would you pray this prayer? I'm going to keep my eyes open. All right? Whether you want to keep your eyes open and pray or you want to close your eyes, whatever you want. But would you pray this prayer and say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. On this beautiful Easter, on this beautiful Easter, I accept the invitation to start to love you. You love, you love me. In fact, you loved me. That you, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. It's time for me to start loving you, Jesus. And I choose this day to begin to love you. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. I know I can be forgiven because, Jesus, you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I accept the forgiveness by faith. And, Lord... I believe you rose from the dead triumphant over the grave on day three. And you're alive now. You're alive by your spirit to come into my heart, come into my life. For you have said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you. I need you. Come. And help me to become the person that you want me to be. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to write me. Write me a note. Send us a note to our church website, however you wish, or to our church address, which you can find on our website. Send me a note telling us of the spiritual decision that you have made today. And we want to help you get into some Bible studies that will help you to grow spiritually. If you're not a part of a church somewhere as yet, and you're within driving distance, I want to invite you to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue, once we, once we have victory over COVID-19 and our church services get back to normal. But I want to invite you to join us here with our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. If you're not within driving distance, or maybe you prefer some other church um, style or name, find a good Bible-believing church. There are so many wonderful Christian churches across our country, across our world. And, and by the way, for those of you listening from different cities outside of Toronto, we do have many Nazarene churches in, uh, in, in other, other places across Canada, across the U.S., across, across South America, 
across the Caribbean, all over the world. God loves you. God loves you. And we love you. And we want to wish you a happy and a blessed Easter Sunday. And remember, through it all, remember to keep on loving Jesus, serving Jesus, and believing that he is risen. Jesus is risen indeed. Amen and amen.